0: today on citycast salt lake meg walter the editor-in-chief of the beehive is here and we're discussing utah's culture of peculiar baby names a phenomenon that in so many ways has given our state its own name it's wednesday april 27th 2022 i'm ali Viarta, and this is citycast salt lake Meg, welcome back to CityCast Salt Lake. Hey, I am always so excited to be here. Thanks for having me again. I'm excited to talk to you about Utah's name culture. I first Mm -hmm. just want to like, I'm not going to front. Like when I moved to Utah, I was definitely one of the people who quickly engaged in making fun of Utah names, jokes. Sure, But it is kind of remarkable how quickly I've transitioned out of that to just like, very much normalizing being on the phone with someone and taking notes and being like, is that within E-I-G-H? Like, is that with a Y? Like, So that's Brittany it, with seven way. E's? Right. Like, I, yeah. I just have kind of, like, fully adapted to it in a way that's kind of nice. But I'm curious how you would characterize Utah's name scene because it is infamous. Sure.
1: Um, I actually think I wrote a piece about this and in the piece I divide it into two parts, two, two subsections of Utah names. I actually think there are three. Um, hmm. The first two are traditional names with unfamiliar spelling. So okay. Brittany with seven E's or right. Megan with a G-H in there or Madeline with an O. Okay. Uh, the second <laughs> is names that just the parents completely freestyled on the birth certificate, just wrote letters into what would potentially be a pronounceable word. And then the third subsection is names that come from LDS scripture or history. So a Nephi,
0: a Hinkley, a Mm -hmm. Dallin, and so on and so forth. A Moroni. A Moroni. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. You wrote this piece, you mentioned it in the Deseret, news Uh it's really fun i enjoyed it thank you thank you um but essentially your thesis was like okay yeah we've got these categories of names but like we're all doing our best here and give moms a break naming your kid is hard and utah has a lot of kids say more about that say more about that okay so i've
1: had three children um and determining names for the three of them have been three of the most difficult decisions I've ever made, Um, including (laughs) who to marry and where to go to college. Just like, (laughs) because that's their whole life, you know? And you're forming a person, a big part of a person. Mm -hmm. And it's no small feat. And so, and we told family and friends the names we picked and we were met with all kinds of responses, right? And with fairly traditional names. So mm. who am I to judge the mom out here doing her best, not yeah. wanting what well, part of what I wrote about in my piece was I was one of four Megans in my first grade class. You know, that's yeah. a pretty traditional name that never made me spil- feel especially special in any sort of way. So who am I to judge a mom who's like, you know what, I'm going to do things a little bit differently and name her Michaela with a Z somewhere in there. Like that's great. Right. to set
0: her apart right well and like to your point part of the pressure of determining a name for your child is that we've all engaged in name mockery like everyone has been like that guy's such a brian or like the i feel like the perfect example of like he's such a chad right Right. like or karen done it or karen like we've all done it and so you know now it's like oh the rubbers kind of meeting the road and you're looking down this path of like all the different ways that your kid could be mocked and that's like a parent's nightmare.
1: It is. I and I one of the nice things about being in Utah is that with very few exceptions, if you give a kid a weird name, that's they're gonna be totally fine. Because yeah. everyone else in their class is gonna have a weird name. Right. So in in a way, we kind of although we have a general sense of mockery about this culture, I don't think yeah individual kids are mocked as frequently as they might be elsewhere.
0: Yeah. I am trying to figure out though like with the spelling sure. of it all. Why the desire to give your kids such a unique name? Especially if the pronunciation's the same. Like yeah, where do you think this comes from?
1: I that I keep getting hung up on that. I wonder if it's because so much of our culture is about the written word, right? Like keeping a journal. Mm um we're big on stencils we're big on lettering things and is you know how much of Mm. what we're doing is reading captions on Instagram now so while the pronunciation may be the same if you're naming your baby Ivy with two Es instead of a Y people see that and think oh that's original and unique so I think it of so much of what we do now is reading To communicate reading on social media instead of just face-to-face that it feels like it's set apart and different than a standard spelling.
0: It's funny in the piece you mentioned the anecdote of naming Ivy Mm -hmm. your daughter and finding out just like very shortly after that Beyonce had named Blue Ivy, Blue Ivy. Yeah, it was tough. And like, it is, <laughs> that is tough. And it's funny. I, I have a friend, my friend Sophie, who had her first kid and had a name picked out and had him, named him Archie, cutest ever, like mm-hmm. felt, you know, it, the balance, right? Struck the balance of like cute, but different, but unique, but not so unique. And of course, two weeks later, Meghan Markle had baby Archie and she was <laughs> like, you, Sure. Like you and I was like, yeah, more more reasons to hate Meghan Markle. That's what we're all looking for, right? But like I I do sympathize with that like intensely. And there is this sort of expectation that like that everyone is named after someone. And like, you know, when you meet someone and they tell you your name my instinct at least and I've had this done to me as well is to be like oh like so and so like oh you're oh Meg oh like Meg the stallion or yeah. like oh you're like I'm Allie so my whole childhood people would be like Allie McBeal <laughs> and it's like not necessarily, but I've spent my whole life carrying around the shadow of Ally McBeal <laughs> just because like the timing, the, yeah. the timing in pop culture.
1: Don't we always kind of need a reference point, you know, and mm-hmm. how many of us when we're naming kids were like, ah, but I knew a Phil in second grade and he was a jerk. Like, that's just <laughs> yeah. the nature of names, you know, and that's part of why I think what right. a lot of these parents is, are doing is kind of rad because... There's no association. They're giving their kid a chance to be like completely their individual own person. And when yeah. people meet them, they don't have any subconscious preconceived notions that they might have with the fill that they knew in second grade that was a jerk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like with celebrity baby names, we give them a lot of grace. Do we? <laughs> I I feel like we do. I don't know. I, <laughs> I mean, remember
1: like, when <sighs> Gwyneth announced Apple, we were all like, no, no, sweetie, no, we're not doing Apple. Northwest. That's true. No, that's, that's a direction.
0: True. Maybe it's just that those kids have like aged enough for me that now I don't even think about it. It's like, yeah, we have baby Surrey is now like teenager Surrey.
1: And but, uh, I mean, I regret the judgment that I placed on them, much like I regret the judgment I placed on the mothers who named their children Paisley. Now, you know, do whatever you want. Yeah. Don't name your baby Poop, but anything else is fine.
0: (laughs) Right. Do you remember those two um, influencers that were fighting over who named their baby Baby before? Oh my gosh, no, who
1: are they? Can we stop, can we pause and look it up real quick? That sounds incredible.
0: Uh, okay, so if I remember correctly, okay, if I type in Google influencers named Baby Baby, it comes up right away. So Jessica Hart and Sasha Benz were feuding because they both named their Baby Baby, but with different spellings. So one is B-A-Y-B-I and one is B-A-B-Y. And basically they got in this like very public battle because they both felt that they had ownership over the name baby for their baby. Anyway, I think about that a lot. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That's, I'm going
1: to chew on that for a while. Um, But you know, that's another aspect of this is we finding the right name feels like you've You've stumbled into a pot of gold and you don't want to share. Like you want to keep mm. that locked away until your baby's grand announcement because a good name is hard to come by and everyone else mm-hmm. is going to want it upon hearing it. So I get I get the um, baby baby thing. Like that's someone encroaches yeah. on that name you've picked. That's a tough pill to swallow. The
0: The baby name gatekeeping of it all. Yeah. When I read your piece, I was thinking about how one of the things that, one of the benefits of like having a unique name or giving people unique names is that it just does really force us to slow down and engage with someone's name in a way that is just like, uh, on a basic level and without assumption. And I think it might be something that could serve us just in the long term, like culturally, like I'm thinking about how, like when we meet someone, we should be thoughtful about like how they identify and what their pronouns are and how they prefer to be named or referred to, or like even just uh, to go so far as to being like, we should learn how to pronounce people's names. Like, you know, if there's like someone in your class with a differently spelled name or a name that is from another language. Like we should all just take the step to learn how to write it and spell it. Like that's communal. And so yeah. it does feel like just a good exercise in like slowing down and giving each other that grace.
1: I mean, I think this is part of not to get overly dramatic, but kind of part of a reckoning, right? Because these hmm. names have been a punching bag for so long. And so right. agreed, like we should slow down, engage, maybe ask some questions like, "Wow, that's super interesting. Where does that come from?" and take mm-hmm. the time to learn to pronounce it because like who knows what the story is and why why they have that name and i think that everyone cares deeply about their name it's who they are yeah. and it's how they identify and like their pronouns right. it's something that should be respected
0: right and for some people that they themselves have chosen depending on their journey yeah. to their identity and so i think i think that is a really good takeaway um
1: i when i Publish this piece. I had a researcher
0: from BYU
1: reach out. He's a linguist mm-hmm. professor, and he mm-hmm. shared a few things about Utah names. Do you want to hear? Yeah. Okay. So we tend to what he determined qualifies something as a Utah name is pseudo affixes such as MC, so like MOOC and LYN, okay. mm-hmm. or SON at the end, so like okay. Madison, Grayson. Right. Um, And then he found that we have a lot of novel uses of vowels with like A, E, and then we use a lot of Ks, Xs, Ys, and Zs where they wouldn't typically be. Hmm. Okay. Now here's what's most interesting. He found that there were 337 names that gained popularity in the state before they did the rest of the country. How? So, so we're pioneers, if you we're will. We're actually name pioneers. And guess what one of the names was that took off in Utah before the rest of the country?
0: Okay. Which of the three categories you named does it fall into? Actually, neither. It's
1: just personal to me. And that was a trick question. It's Ivy, my daughter's oh, name. No way! Isn't that wild? So I that don't know. That is like, wild. We, we laugh at these names and sometimes they are a little wacky, but then sometimes they really, I mean, 337 of them. That's a big number.
0: Yeah, that is. Also Ivy's a lovely name. It's thank you.
1: It's lovely. And it's, you know, it's not Michaela, but like interesting that it took off here first before it took off the rest of the country. How many of these other names are going to do the same thing? And these are figures yeah. from 1960 to I think it was, yeah, yeah. 2020.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah, this gets at sort of a broader point, which is that every time you're new to a place, your desire is to acclimate yourself or fit in. And one of Mm. the ways that you really quickly do that is by learning the local jokes. And I think particular to people who move to Utah are new to Salt Lake, which is like that was me not so long ago. Making fun of Utah names, making fun of some of Utah's quirks or cultural quirks, was just a kind of a way of positioning myself as like one of the gang. Like you know, yeah. I'm I, I'm a Salt Laker too, and so um, I think it's all kind of wrapped up together. But you know, if someone has a differently spelled name, I think maybe show them some grace. And by the way, my name is A-L-I, like Muhammad Ali, not two L's, <laughs> no I-E at the end, and I'm not an Allison. Let me ask you,
1: what, aside from being like, oh, these are kind of weird, what were what were your impressions of Utah names? Like what made them different from where you were before?
0: Oh, I think that categories you named are exactly what, like the okay. scripture names were unusual to me. I didn't grow up in a place with a strong LDS community. So I didn't know about like Moroni or, you know, I grew up with a lot of Gabriels, right? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> Less Moronis, more Gabriels. Yeah. And then, um, I would say also just the H's, the Ys. Um, I was an early reader of the really popular Twitter thread, of, I can't remember her name, but a woman who was like, I can't sleep, I'm going through my son's high school yearbook, here's all the crazy names that I found. I remember reading that out loud with friends. And and especially like when you walk around, for example, like Temple Square or anytime like you're in a store and someone has a name tag. And I found myself sort of like narrowing my gaze <laughs> at their name tag and being like, is that how would I pronounce that? Like and I'm sure for them, the experience of watching me like squint at their chest was not nice. But sure. that was like I would say those were my early experiences with Utah names.
1: I'm sure. I mean, I am interested to see. Um how in 20 years, these names play in like the workplace, you know, in broader society. Mm -hmm. And if it will just be commonplace to have a a bunch of Hinkley's and Paisley's, or is it going to be like, oh, you were named at a specific point in time in a specific place. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is not a bad thing. I think that they'll have an interesting story to tell.
0: Right. And then maybe those kids will grow up instead of being asked if they're named after Allie McBeal. People will be like, are you, are you named after the great Kaylin McDonough? Yes. yes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Meg, it's been so fun chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time hey. and for writing this piece.
1: It's a blast. Thank you so much, as always, for having me. It's
0: always so fun. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. little news before we go. State Street between North Temple and the Capitol building is under construction between now and the end of August. The water lines under there date back to 1910 and need to be updated to keep up with the city's growth. Avoid that section as much as possible for your own sanity and the safety of workers, which might mean finding a new route to I-15, Arlo Restaurant, or the Salt Lake Acting Company. Just a PSA. Speaking of traffic, the American Lung Association produced a pollution report card after a three-year assessment across the nation. Our southern neighbors St. George and Cedar City got A's, but Salt Lake, Provo, and Orem? Well, we got an F, specifically for our smog, a danger to our respiratory and pulmonary health. Amy Joy O'Donohue wrote about it in the Deseret News and pointed to this report card as a test to the notion of the West as a wide-open antidote to escape the ills of urban civilization. A very interesting observation that is hard to argue with. Thank you, Amy. And finally, just a heads up that members of the International Olympic Committee are in town this week to inspect our Olympic facilities as part of Salt Lake's bid to host the 2030 Winter Games. So look sharp. That's our show today on CityCast Salt Lake. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.